Welcome to the NASPE Leadership Series. This podcast is brought to you by the National Association of State Personnel Executives and produced by Work-Life Unbalanced Radio. So today we have Rebecca Hunter on the line. And Rebecca, you're the former commissioner for the Department of Human Resources in Tennessee. Tell us a little bit about you know, your background and, and how you got to the position that you ultimately retired from um, for the Department of Human Resources in Tennessee. Okay. Well, thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to be with you all today. Um, it's one of the things that I just love about um, my career is that my entire career has been in the public sector. I didn't start out planning it that way, but what I've loved about it is um, the fact that I've all my fellow public servants love to share, and um, it makes it so much easier to do the work, especially when, as everyone knows, who served in the public sector resources are, can often be scarce. And so it's great if you can reach out to a colleague and say, hey, can, can you help me? How have you all handled this? And um, share with each other. So um, little did I know um, growing up as um, number six of 14 and a preacher's kid, how well kids. that was Wow. Work in the public sector. Well, you almost yeah. have a public sector organization just with your family under your under your own roof. We did have our own baseball team, um, <laughs> and and had great fun with that in our in our backyard. But um, anyone who has spent any time um, around preachers' kids knows that they live in the fishbowl, and um, preachers' kids tend to be put on a pedestal, and everybody's paying attention to what they're doing, and. Um, did not realize how well that would prepare me for um, everything that is um, the public sector, which is public records, the sunshine law, um, always being in the fishbowl. And um, I, I was, I accidentally fell into, um, to be frank, the public sector because um, when I first graduated with, with a degree in accounting, I am a recovering accountant. Um, <laughs> One day at a time. I, one day yeah, at a one time. One day at a time. Yeah. There were so many of us coming out of school that year with accounting degrees that we were having a hard time finding work in our field. And um, I actually applied for a payroll clerk at the city of Chattanooga. And um, it was decent pay and um, didn't realize either how well that would prepare me for um, customer service. Because if you think about working in a, in a payroll department, <laughs> you get all the calls and um, it's always about, you know, people's money and my check is wrong or I don't understand what this is. And, and you know, learning how to maintain your cool and just be helpful to um, your fellow employees and um, I served in that role for about 10 months and then received a phone call from Hamilton County government. And um, I had applied with them right about the time I was getting out of school for an auditing position and they didn't have any openings. And so I, I left the city to go and, and actually work in the field of auditing. Did that for about five years and realized that was not my calling. Um, auditing is about compliance. And I... I missed the serving part, and so um, ironically, m moved down to South Florida. My husband has one brother who got a great promotion down there and talked us into coming down, and I, I had the privilege of serving as the assistant finance director for the city of North Miami, 
for uh, about three and a half years. And then um, while I was in that role, my daughter was born, and I was looking for a role that was closer to home to get more time in my schedule with a newborn and went to work as the assistant director of accounting for Broward County School Board in the Fort Lauderdale area, which is one of the largest um, school systems in the nation. It's the most, I think, I believe it's the largest fully accredited school system in the nation. And um, did that for another three and a half years. And then ironically received a phone call from uh, colleagues at Hamilton County government. One thing I've learned throughout my career is it's critical to build relationships. And they called and said, hey, there's an opportunity up here. We think you'd be great for it. And after um, some haggling back and forth and me saying I'm not interested in doing insurance um, and them twisting my arm, I did come back up uh, to serve as the director of financial management for Hamilton County government with oversight for the county's um, risk and insurance management, um, which included employee benefits, the workers' compensation, all of their auto and general liability, anything anything that um, where, where a liability could occur, and learned quite a bit in that role. But I think that's ultimately what prepared me for um, for stepping over into HR, because I get I would get all kinds of calls from people about HR questions because, as you all know, um, benefits connect so closely to HR with all the leave issues and mm-hmm. things like that, and. Um, our HR, HR, HR director retired, and the county executive invited me to um, to come to HR and to bring with me employee benefits. And I, I've, I say to this day, I know he did not invite me to um, to take over HR because I was an HR guru. Because recovering accountants are just aren't automatically HR gurus. Come on over; it's going to be but a great was, time, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know it. it I know it was because um, I had what I did was um, really focused on customer service mm-hmm. for not only uh, my fellow colleagues throughout the county, but for the state, for the county employees, and um, and and just really tried to to let people know we're here to serve. And so um, I, I did inherit the agency of no. Um, HR had mm-hmm. a reputation for saying no, no matter what the issue was, and. The first thing I did was go and meet with each department head, ask them what their needs were and how our department could better serve those needs, and then just made an action plan and began to implement it. And and I'm convinced um, that the combination of that and teaching the team, we had a great little team in place in the HR department. It was a small department. But just helping them realize that we don't want to start off by saying no to everyone who calls. We want to ask really good questions that help get to the root of what the issue is. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that is what positioned me um, to be to be um, my name to be submitted by the dep- by the county executive to the governor, mm-hmm. um, governor elect coming in to be the commissioner of human resources for the state of Tennessee, which is what I I served in that role for eight years under Governor Haslam. So it's a good, yeah, because it's a good starting place, I think, to come in thinking, okay, how can I, you know, change the perspective of what service means in human resources? Because you said um, it's about compliance and service. So not having an HR background, let's say from a technical aspect, what surprised you the most when you became the HR director um, in that role? Because previously you you work in partnership with HR, but you're kind of on the outside looking in. So what surprised you the most when you were sitting in that seat? 
Um, I, I think just how entrenched the the mindset had been that it was okay to um, to to tell people no, you can't do that. And I learned pretty quickly, uh, my right-hand person, um, the first time I asked about something and I was told the Fair Labor Standards wouldn't let us do that, I said, well, could you please show me that in writing because I'm trying to learn and that'll really help me. And each time I said that, um, it was amazing how quickly the the no changed to well. Well, maybe. Um, <laughs> well, it doesn't really say that it doesn't specifically. Say that, that. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's a really good point because I would always tell people, you know, working in HR, anytime somebody tells you something, and that's what I always tell my staff because we get, you know, people think it's a negotiation a lot of times, um, have them show you where it says that. And even if I tell somebody something, I want to be able to show you in writing, this is where it says, this is what you can and can't do, because it's really about not just, you know, credibility, but also, like you said, it's a, it's a learning thing. And people may have heard something and they will believe that it's true just based on someone else's word. But it's always good to be able to back it up with, with some other type of documentation because that's what we're held accountable for. And I love that you said that because uh, one of the other surprises was how, how frequently, especially early in the role, um, staff would come up and say, do I need to keep doing this? And I'd say, well, t tell me a little bit about it. Um, what exactly is it? How are we using it? And what I quickly learned was there had been a lot of busy work created um, that wasn't really um, meeting anyone's goals. And um, I got some pretty, pretty quick wins by saying, well, no, I don't. Right now, let's put that aside. Don't throw it away yet. But <laughs> let's, let's talk about some better ways to use your time and, um, and make sure that you feel like you're contributing to to our, our strategic goals and objectives. So as an as an HR leader and as someone who has kind of came over from finance, I always find it interesting because there's a perception that human resources doesn't understand, you know, budgeting and numbers and, and things like that. So for people who may not have necessarily grown up in HR, is what, is what I call it, um, what, would, what advice would you give just from a leadership perspective on how to be successful in an HR role? I think one of the best things you can do is become friends pretty quickly with um, the number one person in finance, if at all possible. Mm -hmm. um, find somebody at a high level in finance that, that will help you learn and help you. And, and you'd be surprised how many of them think that's wonderful that HR is coming and asking questions, just saying, I'm really trying to understand um, not just my budget, but the 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 big picture of the of the or the, the government, whole thing. government yeah yes and um that was it it was easier for me at Hamilton County coming from finance into HR because I had built all those relationships with the finance team and we all trusted each other but then coming into a, a, a new role at the largest employer in the state um that was the very first thing I did is I said I, I really have to get get to be friends with the the commissioner of finance and it was interesting because um, the first commissioner didn't stay as long as the second one did. And the second one, we got to be really, really, really good friends. And people would say, oh, gosh, here they come. Here comes finance and HR. What, are we, what have we done now? You know, right. We're in trouble now. <laughs> finance and HR together. Uh-oh. <laughs> so is our attorney coming next? What's yeah, going on? Yeah, right. That's trouble. But he was, you know, he was a 
great sounding board for me. And even though um, I I knew probably just about as much as, about finance as he did, um, because he had to because he had to have that big picture look of the organization right. that I did. Um, he it was really great. If if I was doubtful about something, I would just pick up the phone and call him and say, Hey, here's what I'm thinking. Give me your thoughts. And um, he would do the same for me. And so I, that's one. That's some of the best advice I could give is become friends with some really good folks in finance and in budget. Cause I know at the state level budget is, is more powerful than accounting. is. Mm-hmm. It's huge. So make friends with those people and it as well. It can really be your friend um, when, when you have needs and you really want to build those relationships. So I think what's really interesting and I look at kind of career trajectories and, and paths and I, the more people that we talk to, you see all these different, perspectives and call it like a career lattice instead of a career ladder. It's nonlinear. Um, it seems to me if in your career path, it's always been about service and relationships from the minute that you started working to the minute that you ended, that never changed. The, the job changed and maybe responsibilities changed, but those two tenants remain, remain constant and you just sort of let that lead wherever it went um would you say that that's fair yeah i appreciate you you commenting on that because um i've i always love getting to know people um and i love to know what makes people tick i love to know it's who do i need to know um and who can if i've if i've got an initiative that i'm going to have to drive statewide who do I need to become friends with? Who do I need to be able to influence to help me make that happen? And you'd be surprised how much fun you have in the process. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes it can be challenging because you are going to – I tend to think about who's going to be my greatest resistor and how am I going to get them on board. And plan, and plan team, ahead for that. When I say, <laughs> <laughs> and the team says, uh, do we have to? And and I, and I I just remind them it, it's better to get them on board on the planning and let them be a part of it than to have bring them kicking and screaming to the table later. Right. And Jason, I love that you um, that you bring up those two points because um, probably about fifteen or twenty years ago, I was invited to lunch with a, a colleague who had brought her boss and. Um, they ran a, a consulting firm, and I didn't realize this at the time, but they were wanting – in fact, they were, they were offering me a six-figure, which was pretty huge at the time, um, salary to come and work for them, and they wanted me to do sales. And I, it didn't take me any time to say, I really appreciate that you um, – I respect what you're telling me, and um, I'm flattered, but – my background is service, and that's what I do. I just cannot see myself in sales. Mm-hmm. And I have always loved um, helping people, and um, and until that's what I tell my team. Um, in fact, my my executive assistant, and this this happened in in both places, would say, "Why do all these people call you with questions that have nothing to do with what we do?" And I would say probably because they know I'm going to help them find the answer one way or another. I may not know it, but I'm going to connect them with somebody who can help them. And I think that's what customer service is all about. And and that's really the culture we tried to create at the state is helping people understand when somebody calls and you don't know the answer, um, you don't just tell them that. You say, let me see if I can connect you with someone who can help you. So it's that that concept of going above and beyond Mm -hmm. because we're here to serve. 
because there's there's opportunity, you know, within that, and it's it's the person that's calling is reaching out for something, you know. So it just being a resource for people, I think, is just very important um, in your role as 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 a leader and kind of modeling that behavior, especially when you are talking about um, leadership staff development, the things that they can see you actually doing um, and modeling for them as a learning opportunity. Because I feel like the the landscape of what human resources is has changed considerably over the last, you know, 20 years, especially I would say even over the last 10 years. Hey, so over the last six months, <laughs> over the last two months yes, the last with COVID-19, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this is the hardest work I've ever done in HR at all, you know, my 20 something years. So what do you think is going to be the challenge for HR leadership moving forward? Not just, um, you know, with, with our pandemic issues, but basically just strategically and organizationally moving forward or, or helping organizations move their, their operations forward from an HR perspective. I think HR, uh, and I agree, it has HR. HR is making leaps forward, but I still feel their biggest challenge is realizing that we can't just stay in our little office and be reactive. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's important to get out and meet with your customers and find out what their challenges are. And sometimes you're the one that's challenging them. Um, which means do customer service surveys even. I mean, if it's difficult for you to do, especially in this day and age right now, it's difficult to do that face-to-face. But do customer service surveys and make them real simple, um, asking questions that let them know you're serious about their feedback and be prepared to be freaked out. Um, right. <laughs> because the first time you do it. Sit um, down when you're reading gonna, it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you're probably going to hear some stuff that you're going to think, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, um, but but don't take it personally. Take it as a growth opportunity. And then I think, too, um, recognizing that employees are a big part of what we are responsible for, too. And, and I'm just going to be really straight up frank with you all. I don't believe that um, unions have any place in the public sector. And the reason I believe that is because, first of all, if we were doing the job we should be doing, there wouldn't be a need for them. Mm-hmm. Um, if we were really supporting employees as they should be, and considering that ta- that the taxpayers are paying for all of this, um, I, that's why I think it should they should not be allowed in the public sector. And I, I would I would have conversations with our state employee association and say. You know, the challenge of what I love about working in HR is it's a three-legged stool that you have to think about in the public sector. You have to think about the needs of the organization as well as the needs of the employee, and that's a balancing act. And as long as you you have been building relationships with the employees and letting them know that you're there for them and you treat them with respect and dignity, mm-hmm. they will. they may not always agree with the decision you make, but they'll respect you. And they'll continue to come to you with their concerns. And um, I think we've had too many governmental entities that have caved to unions and basically have, have put governmental entities in a position to where they're really struggling right now um, with, with the loss of revenue with coronavirus mm-hmm. and virus in place and, and the pension plans that are can't they're, they're not funded appropriately. So I'll get Pensions. off my soapbox. <laughs> yeah. You said pension, and I just had a visceral reaction. So yes, that's uh, out there as well. So uh, obviously, with this with this podcast and and NASPY, the NASPY leadership series, you've been um, a avid member of NASPY. How did how has NASPY helped you in your career 
in HR? Um, so I, I think I think the biggest impact um, happened very early on with NASB. I went to my first conference when I was six months in the role, and um, they do this great thing where they go around the room and have each each person who's there from each state share what are their greatest challenges. And um, if, if they've had some great successes, we ask them to share those as well. But my very first meeting six months in, what I heard from, um, from my peers was that they were being absorbed, many of them. There were about five states that were being absorbed into finance or administration. And their concern was that the dilutive impact that was going to have on their ability to drive um, change. And um, I came back and called the entire department together and shared with them the concern that I felt from, from my peers and said, you all, we have got to be relevant. We've got to demonstrate the value that we bring to the state of Tennessee. And we began a journey of um, how, to, how to measure that value. And I quickly realized um, that the team struggled with measurements they would come in and tell me, "Hey, these are some. This this is a cool thing we just we just did, and we wanted." And they'd quote percentages, and I'd say, "Well, how does that compare to last year?" And they'd kind of look at me and stop, and because um, I said, I, "I need the perspective." And so we we brought in um, an organization that spent two entire days with our leadership team, really focusing on. First of all, what are our key roles? What are our key functions? What are our supporting functions? And who's responsible for each one of those? And then what is critical for us to measure in each of those areas to, to, to help us know whether or not we're being successful and to ultimately demonstrate the value that we bring um, to our customers? And what that led us to was, was really a journey of um, down the road of performance excellence. We discovered the Tennessee Center for Performance Excellence which is the Baldridge uh, not-for-profit organization in Tennessee. And I first had uh, two of the, my uh, key, P, P, key team members um, come in and ask me to support them to be examiners for the Tennessee Center for Performance Excellence. And what that meant was they would undergo examiner training that would equip them to go in and evaluate um, companies on in, in seven critical criteria, and I'll, I'll just throw some of them out there, leadership strategy, uh, customer focus, operations, um, measurement, and results. And um, there are seven in all. And as I, as I read what they gave me um, before I signed off on their application, I, it, I quickly realized not only is this going to help them um, as, as employees for the state, help them be stronger, um, but it's ultimately going to help us. It's going to help us as a department. And um, I eventually took that examiner training myself. And as a recovering accountant who has to get 40 hours of continuing education a year, <laughs> um, it is some of the best continuing education I've ever experienced. And what that led us to, um, first, first was the examiner training. Then they wanted to, they said, I think we need, think we need to submit our application for their um, excellence award. And we did that and actually received um, a, as high as a level three award. There's four levels in Tennessee before you can apply for the national level. And we received the level three award in 2018. Oh, wow. And um, what was great about it was it, it really brought the entire department together. Everyone understood 
um, that these were the these were the most critical. These seven criteria were were the most critical things that we needed to be thinking about from a big picture. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people say, well, that's a lot of work, and I, I just don't have time for that, and that's just on top of whatever everything I'm already doing. What I loved about it is it's really a framework for what you're already doing. Right. And and it really helped. It really helped our employees understand that big picture. I sat down with them. We'd have lunch and learns, and I would share. Um, at each lunch and learn, here's here's the criteria and here's here's what we shared, and ask them for their input and for their suggestions. And um, we use we also used it as an opportunity to engage our high performers um, because you you've got these folks in your organization that you know they're wonderful and you you think to yourself, I don't know what I'd do if I ever lost them. And a great way to make sure that doesn't happen is number one, give them opportunities to develop. And if you can't do that. Um, academically by sending them to some type of development then then engage them in a great project like like we used them to help write our application mm-hmm. because it really helped them get that big picture people have a tendency to get stuck in their their own um, divisional silos and not realize how their work impacts everyone else and so it was a great way to um, to help our team understand here's why here's why we're here here's what we're what we're trying to do and I love the customer focus piece of it because it just reinforced um, what I've always been so passionate about is let's let's really let let's people help our know people. that we're here, we're here to serve. Yeah, it's and it's interesting that you brought up um, the demonstration of value and analytics and things like that, because, again, those are things we probably wouldn't have been talking about, you know, 10 years ago in human resources. So if you had to give one piece of advice to an HR executive in terms of, you know, team building and being able to help anybody, you know, understand the role of HR and the importance of HR in an organization, what would that, what would that information look like? Well, I I think you've got to be thinking about who are we here to serve and um, what's the most important thing I can do to help them. And, and you have to be careful about that because sometimes if you're not careful, your customers can drive you down paths you might not, might not need to be going down and I think that's why it's important to, to, to talk to as many of them as you can, especially mm-hmm. some of your more critical customers, because you'll start seeing a theme, um, and you'll start seeing where some priorities are gonna re- going to emerge. But that's, I think that's the biggest thing I see um, HR forgetting about is you can't just stay in your, in your office and not, not get out there and find out um, what the needs What's are. What's going on. Because that's, yeah. how you, that's how you get that strategic look and get invited to the to the C-suite table. Okay. We'd like to thank you very much for uh, being on the show today. It was a pleasure uh, speaking with you, and we wish you uh, great success on the seven board of directors that you serve <laughs> on and the 10 professional organizations that, that you influence. And, and again, um, especially uh, during this great need of, of public service, um, we want to thank you for, for your public service and, and what you've done. Um, for Tennessee and, and the country um, as you've spent your career uh, kind of serving serving others. So thank you so much for, for being a part. Thank you for joining us, Rebecca. Thank you all. It was my pleasure. Thank you for listening to the NASPE Leadership Series. For more information on NASPE or sponsorship opportunities, please visit naspe.net.